taking that step back because what happens is when we're in that parenting moment, you're in that store, you become the emotion, you know, and you become your thoughts. But if you could just take that little buffer, you can get so much out, just enough to, you know, and then you could also take a step back and you can say to yourself as your nosy breath, what is an effective thing to do now? Like even asking yourself that question. Um, or you can count your breath, as I was saying, just to get yourself guarded uh, or, or grounded, excuse me. Um, and lastly, you know, if you're finding yourself very emotional, you can sort of say, just this moment, just this step, just this breath. Welcome to Imperfect Parenting. I'm Ariel Green Anderson. My name is Matt Anderson. We're bringing you raw, real, and unfiltered stories from around the world. Are you an IP parent? Hey, it's Ariel Anderson, and you just heard Matisse Miller of the Center for Cognitive and Behavioral Therapy of New Jersey. He is also the author of The Uncontrollable Child, Understand and Manage Your Child's Disruptive Moods with Dialectal Behavior Therapy Skills. Now, don't worry. We're going to explain what that means. Uh, We dive into not just what it means as a definition, but what it means in your life. Because I know this last year has been, it's been tough for a lot of people. And now things are evolving and shifting. But I think in general, families have challenges. There's generally at least one person inside the family or inside your ohana, your circle of friends, your people, uh, that has some challenges with, you know, uh, emotions and, you know, sort of, keeping things aligned. And Matisse really dives into this in his work. He's um, such a grounded human being. I have really enjoyed this conversation because it's, you know, we're talking about, of course, humanity and how to work with these sort of reactive moments. Not It's not just about our kids because, of course, this is something in our daily lives, right? There's this reality of how we we manage what's happening inside of us and we need to model that for our kids and while you know Matisse is a you know an expert of course and he's working with incredible human beings um and using all of these ideas with our families in a way that can be transformative, is transformative. And I highly recommend him. Just having sat there and talked with him, I could felt like we could talk for hours and have a whole big session all together in a room and, you know, really shift the way each of us think about each moment that pops up when there's a, you know, rage or some emotions that are coming through. Uh, And it's not just about, you know, what he specializes. Yes, absolutely. In kids that have specific issues like ADHD and ODD, but this is really something that I think comes up over and over in our lives in different ways. And just that coming into the breath that he works with us in in this uh, conversation and how to listen to your body and model this and teach this also to our children, how powerful that can be to our relationships uh, in our lives and especially within our family circle. And so I'm excited to 
to share this with you. And if this is one that I really feel that you could listen to more than once, um, one of those podcasts and his book, the same, I feel like you could kind of go all the way through it, soak it all in, start practicing the things inside of it and really digging in a bit. And maybe this is one of those books that you want to actually pass on to somebody who is struggling. Uh, I think each of us know if it's not yourself. I know we have inside of our family quite intense energy, uh, for sure, struggling with some of these things. But I think each of us do know somebody who might have this challenge inside their family circle. And uh, definitely let them know about this podcast or the book and let them have a, a moment with us because uh, Matisse is such a, a sweet, kind, real soul who uh, makes it seem so easy and I like that. <laughs> so without uh, any more pause, I just want to dive right in. Here is Matisse Miller. Welcome yeah. Matisse <laughs> Miller. And it's Ariel, did I say it right? Yeah, Ariel. Yeah, Ariel? it's fine. Ariel? Okay. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here, and uh, I love to just dive in because uh, this is uh, your your topic is so important. You just you spoke to my soul as I'm reading it. I'm seeing and listening to thinking about all the people I've had on the podcast, all the conversations we've had, as well as in my own circles and in my own house, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and uh, how vital is the reminder is you know just of the humanity and the things that we can think about and do and but before we really dive into this you know wonderful topic of the unfold child and life and as human I would love for you just to tell us first of all where you're calling from and what brought you to this moment your story you know as a person and in the work that you do okay great so I'm located in central New Jersey um so I'm a clinical social worker so I've been practicing for a little bit over 15 years now and I address a lot of different issues, anxiety, emotional related issues. One of my specialties is personality disorders. I do individual, group, couples, but I've always had an interest in parenting. Um, and part of that is because I'm a parent of six. So yes. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big part of my journey right there. So um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a big piece of it. I also do a lot of consultations as well. And one of the areas of interest that I've always had is evidence-based treatment, psychotherapy. I'm certified in cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as dialectical behavioral therapy, and uh, which really has impacted a lot of my work and the way my thinking. Um, and I really started to notice as I was working with parents that DBT had so much to offer in terms of how parents look at themselves and their children and parenting their children. And I started to feel like I was in sessions and I'm like, I, you know, it's a one-time consult and I want to give them the book. Like I have the, all this information I want to give them. And I would recommend there are great books out there and they're great. There's lots of podcasts and there's awesome information. Um, but I, I felt there was like a need specifically for this balance of acceptance and change concept that perhaps we'll get into. Um, and, uh, and then I thought to myself, you know, should I write a book? You know? <laughs> and this was three and a half years ago. And, you know, just the thought of it sounds overwhelming. Um, but I dived in and, and here we are. And I'm super excited. It's, you know, it's being released any day. People are actually getting their copies already and getting the feedback. And um, so 
I guess between myself being a therapist, my interest and my experience with my own children and uh, so much of that value uh, in DBT uh, and evidence-based treatment of learning how to really accept your child while working on change and, and just that vacillating back and forth. Um, and just to end with this, I felt like some parents, you know, I meet with some parents who like had no clue how to let, set limits, say no, um, be consistent. Um, and I felt they needed those tools and strategies. And I also, as a therapist, all the emotions and the thoughts that were getting in the way. Um, and then I found parents who were really good at that, but they just weren't accepting their child. They weren't validating their child. They weren't being mindful. They weren't being connected. Um, and that's where I wanted to bring those two together. Right. And I'm so glad that you did because, uh, I mean, first of all, you know, you, you saw something that, you know, needed to be on paper for people to be able to take away with them, to be able to work with outside your sessions, for example. And you did that, which is, you know, that's a huge, courageous, like leap of faith to just jump into that, especially with six kids and a career going on. Um, but, uh, well, I, there's so much that I actually want to say to this, but I, I, before I even go in there, I want to, I would love for you to clarify a little bit uh, because I, I can run with this, but I, I want you just to, for a second to back step and, and clarify with for our audience about DBT and dialectics, just to make sure that we're all on the same page, because even it, it you know, even if you said it, it, it sort of slipped by so yeah. that, um, you know, we all are talking about the same thing. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So DBT um, was, it's actually a subset of cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, and it was developed by a woman, Marsha Linehan, um, in the 70s and 80s. Um, and what, you know, I like to say the story really briefly, but what happened so you can understand how this relates to us is Marshall Linehan was a behavioral psychologist and she wanted to change and help people. She actually went through her own struggles um, and she was in Seattle and she went to, to, I think, a local psych hospital and she said, give me your most difficult patients. I, I want to help them. I, um, get them off meds, those that are suicidal. She took them in and she said, okay, I'm gonna help you make change. And their response was change. Do you have any idea what my life is like? Do you know the pain I go through every single day? I can't change, it's just so hopeless. And then she like took a step back, she's like, wow. She's like, maybe I have to work on being a little bit more accepting and validating, help them accept themselves. So she started to do that work and she's, wow, this must be so difficult for you. And their response was, you, you think there's no hope, I can't change? You mean there's no change for me? And that's where she's like, she started to realize these two extremes. Um, and that's where DBT was born. And DBT dialectics, which is the, one of the key words in DBT, is the idea that we can have two concepts that appear opposite or are opposite, or are opposite and they can both be true at the same time. So this idea of acceptance, because when you think about your life, your child, yourself, like I'm accepting, you don't think about change. I mean, this is what it is, you know? And when I think about change, I'm like, I'm, I'm going for my goals. Like I'm moving, you know, there's no accepting. Um, and that's where DBT came into, you know, take these two opposites and try to synthesize the two extremes. And dialectics really changes the way we think because it opens our mind to see that, and this is not just for our parenting, this is for all our relationships, that there's, there's another perspective um, that truth is evolving, that change is constant, um, that there's just an ebb and flow and movement in life. 
Um, and in parenting, that's so super important because, you know, we have children and, and, and you know, that's something, it's such a gift. Uh, and I love the name of your podcast, Imperfect Parenting, because it so relates to this, is that, you know, we're, we're not perfect parents and, and, and we're on that journey to do the best we can. Um, and we need to accept ourselves for that, you know, which I'm sure you talk a lot about, um, but really helping parents be able to see that although I have brought a child into this world and not exactly what I expected or how I wanted it to be, or I, you know, so how can I come to terms with that reality? At the same time, we all want our children to be successful and healthy and go out in the world. So how can we balance that acceptance and change? And I think in parenting, you know, my introductions about dialectics, we could really change how we see ourselves and our children. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you, you, everything you've talked about is so deeply woven into the book. And by the way, you guys, this book is, is really the way that it's laid out, the consistency, the way, the clarity, even for somebody who has a four-year-old, or my, as my daughter would say, four and three quarters uh, <laughs> old in the house, where focus is not always an easy thing, especially these days with at-home offices. Uh, I feel like your book, I could, I could read it and be interrupted and still be able to keep a flow, which is so fantastic. And, and I have to say, honestly, that your chapter, I think it was chapter two, on acceptance was my, it just rang out for me. They're all great, but the one that really it's saying and that we happen to end up talking about first, it, because as you said, it's not, it's not just about parenting. It's about as it being a human on the planet. And it's one of the themes that's been coming up, especially during this last year is this, you know, fight with accepting how things are or who we've become that is or isn't the best version of ourselves in this time. And and as a human and as a parent, it's it's one of the things that where you hope to have a little grace with yourself because it's that um, that fight. And you mention it in your book that when you're fighting against something, the result that happens, you know, they say, what is it that which we uh, that which you resist persist? Uh, it's not exactly that, but acceptance is such an incredibly powerful and not always easy thing to do. And you lay it out in such a beautiful way to kind of getting us thinking about it. If I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the piece where you're talking about pain versus suffering and then going into the, you know, solve it, tolerate it, change how you feel about it, which is the one that was like, oh, yeah, or, you know, stay in the misery. And it, it really lays it out there. It's like, wow, you know, what am I going to do here? And yeah. then, you know, if we can't model that, especially now when I think that's challenged so much, the acceptance of what you can't change or what may change without your control and how to flow with that it's such a mirror for exactly as you said what's happening in the home because our kids are ever evolving and while we maybe seem more fixed in many ways we also are are shifting and uh and that empathy or that awareness as you were talking about of their experience so that we can work with the moment rather than just react to it is uh yeah yeah it's amazing <laughs> so, not. No, it is and it's it's hard concepts. I mean, we, we fight, we fight acceptance. And, uh, you know, just to highlight what you said before, like I say in the book, and I love this saying, and it's a concept from DBT, um, pain plus non-acceptance equals suffering. Pain plus acceptance equals pain, and sometimes really intense pain, because life is full of pain. Mm. Um, but when we fight that pain, and we don't embrace that pain, that's what leads to suffering. 
That's what leads us to breaking. Um, and the other thing is what you really pointed out is, and that's really why I start with acceptance, is acceptance is the key to change. You, if you want to change, you know, well, I don't want to accept. I want to change. Well, you got to start with acceptance. You got to get in touch with the reality of what is. You know, like you're saying, we're living during crazy times and, and there's so much that change and acceptance and even with our children, you know, uh, I'm, I'm writing a blog article on this and our children, they, you know, they're not necessarily accepting the reality of what's going on and, um, and, and they're going and making choices that we don't want them to make or we think aren't safe. Um, and, and even accepting that is hard. And acceptance also leads to grief and sadness. Um, and that's another reason why we don't want to get in touch with it because it, mm. it comes with emotion. Um, so and, and that's one of those tricky things where I think I've noticed a lot of people and it, since we're kind of focusing on parenting right now, just it's um, how to work with emotions inside of a family. What's okay. How much do we show? There's the, some people might have the automatic reaction from their past to deal with emotions internally, uh, which I personally think, you know, there's, there's, okay, that's okay to a point, but it has to kind of find its way out. Otherwise it eats away at you. And also, you know, there's that incredible pressure. I don't know about you, but I, I'm constantly aware of what I do and don't do and how that's going to ripple out. What am I modeling uh, and showing my, uh, my child my, and the children around me? And it's, uh, it, the awareness is good if you don't take it out of control, you know, make yourself crazy with it. But just that awareness of, okay, what am I doing and what am I showing versus telling? you know, uh, and how you work with that. And you, um, I, I was reading through the book as well. And I was really noticing how different it gave me some words to put together with my husband and I, and how we function differently because you later, you're talking about extin extinction and satiation, I think. And I'm more the second and my husband's more the first. I would say that's where our defaults are. So I could see why we sometimes know but that's a little bit well, well, on this. But. That's the beauty because again, dialectics would tell us that there's both value in both your, in your approaches. And you know, when we're in a relationship, we each have different qualities. The key is we're gonna butt heads. There's gonna be tension, but can we, can we come together? Can we accept each other for where we're at? And can we pull out on each other's strengths and be the best, you know, because our kids are going to say, well, I'm going to ask dad. I'm going to go ask mom. <laughs> dad always gives in, you know. You know, I'm not going to even, my kids said the other day, like, no, we're not going to ask dad because we know he's going to say no. <laughs> so we're going to go to mom. Um, so, I, you know, I think that that balance, again, is it's not this way versus that way. And that's why I think the whole idea, there's no right way to parent. You know, there's no absolute truth, which is that dialectical perspective. And our kids need that. They need the different sides. That's how they learn to navigate different, different areas. And uh, that's always the reminder, <laughs> those moments of pushing up against each other. And, you know, and there's always one who's a little more fearful, a little more fearless. And, you know, all of that is important, the, the um, tighter reins and looser reins, as you were talking about, you know, more freedom. But they need that. They need to have that experience and know where the lines are and as long as it's not too crazy and erratic, they can figure it out <laughs> most days. And yeah, uh, I and you, your, go ahead. yeah. no, go no, ahead. I was saying, I loved your point about, you know, certainly in 
in the work that I do, I love emotions, right? <laughs> you want, but it's really, you know, your point about being vulnerable with your children um, and being aware, mindfully aware of, of your behaviors and modeling those behaviors. And I know sometimes myself, I, like, you know, even my, my work or what I'm doing, or, you know, I had a disappointment, you know, and you're always trying to, you know, you know, be that tough, you know, strong parent, but no, you need to show your children their, your vulnerabilities. You, that modeling is so powerful that you can name emotion, that you can express emotion um, so that they can go ahead and face the world and, and you know, understand that um, emotions are important and they have a value and, you know, you're not like in a, you know, there's, as I said, pain is part of life, disappointment is part of life, excitement and happiness and passion is a part of life. So, so I, I love that, you know, that point of making yourself more vulnerable and finding the balance again, because it's not extreme. Well, I'm open with my kids. I tell them everything. They know what I'm feeling, but then that's a meshment. That's codependence. And then the other extreme is no, you know, parents are parents, children are children, you know, and keeping that distance. So it's about finding that balance. Yeah. And, and of course, each family is going to find that in a different way that, you know, absolutely unique and, and individually. And I appreciate that as you're, you know, in your book, as you're showing examples and you're going through things, it's that, you know, reminder of you do talk about the imperfection. I mean, we're not going to do things perfectly all the time. And, and that's important. And I think that, you know, especially as you, you yourself as a parent, as a person might be going through your own journey inside of parenting, there's going to be moments where you are that person full of grace who can follow all these wonderful actions of, mm. you know, um, what one mindedness and, and, you know, mindfulness, which I, I'd love for you to dive into a little more and explain to people. And as well, I use the words <laughs> extinction and satiation. It didn't explain it. Um, I'll leave that to you. But I think that uh, we, we're going through this path uh, on the planet uh, whatever that is, if you, if sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't, and there's moments, the hardest thing I know for myself, I can say recently, you know, we, we repatriated from Prague in Prague. I was thinking about a woman who I had this great conversation with named Alba. And she was talking about how she didn't show her kids emotions. And then she kind of exploded them. And she felt so much shame around that, you know, and, uh, and, oh gosh, how do you do it? How are you so patient? And I, I was like, I don't know. It's just normal for me. And then <laughs> we repatriated to the U S and I saw a side of myself. I never would have known, which was under stress. I'm not always that woman full of grace. You know, we were living at my mom's place and, you know, family brings out different aspects of our yeah. selves. And, uh, and I realized that, you know, maybe not just this time, but in general, when there's, there's more stress and whatnot, we can, we can also be not able to always clearly see all the things that you've been talking about the, and especially that acceptance of the moment and what is, and, and just, uh, as you mentioned about change, you know, the one thing you can depend on is change is also kind of letting go of the tension of this too shall pass, whether mm -hmm. it's you or your, your child having a really intense moment. And I, I would love for you to address, uh, well, I've already <laughs> asked you to talk about the other things. I won't go all over the map, but, um, you know, yeah, I'd love for us to do after a little explanation, I would love for you to do maybe a little activity or one of the exercises, just talk about uh, something where people can work with these sort of emotional moments and um, be mindful. You had some couple different exercises. I know that were uh, super helpful and I would love if you wouldn't mind to walk us through one of them. Well, that would be no, fun. Absolutely. 
So where should I start? You had so many. Well, let's start. I, be, I know I was chattering on because I get yeah. so excited when there's a topic that just lights yeah. my heart. But if you would start just with uh, just diving a little bit into extinction versus satiation and and uh, and then, you know, yeah, so we'll start there. So let's start. Let's start with actually um, using extinction. Okay. Uh, and, and maybe with that, um, I, I could we can actually I could teach a skill. Could we, uh, Ariel, can we role play a little bit? Can we do some of sure, that? Sure, why not? Let's go for it. <laughs> yeah. So let me explain. Let's start with extinction. Extinction is, is not giving any attention to any, is removing any negative or positive reinforcement, um, which, which for those who don't understand, reinforcement is anything that increases a behavior, uh, any desired behavior. Now, people think, you know, positive and negative means for positive behavior, negative behavior, not necessarily as a read in the book. Um, but let's talk about uh, the metaphor I give in the book. And, and I love this metaphor is like, uh, you know, you go to a, um, a snack machine, a vending machine, and uh, you want a, you know, bag of chips traveling, you know, and you put in your dollar and you're waiting for the chips to come out, does come out. So what do you do? So you, you press it again and it still doesn't come out. So then you start pressing the other buttons. Maybe so I'll get something from my buck, you know? And then you just give up. Now you at least like, can, can I get my money back? You know, at that point, no money. Maybe look around. Is anyone else, you know, around you shaking? Chips, <laughs> and you only had one buck, and that's it. Um, but eventually, you go away. And the reason is because there is no, there is no response. You're, you're not getting any response from that, and you're walking away. And I think extinction, same thing in, in, in parenting. And when we have certain behaviors that we don't want to reinforce, we want to remove all reinforcements. Um, and that's really hard because, again, we have to be mindful and our emotions are, you know, triggered in that moment. And it even could be a four-year-old. I mean, we can, we can use the example of a four-year-old or a five-year-old who, um, you know, where we, we start to get into an interaction with them where we're actually reinforcing their behavior. Um, so let's maybe let's do the example of um, Ariel. Maybe you can play the role of the child who doesn't want to go to bed. Could we do this? Is this oh good? yes, and I remember this from your book too, and it was so familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so you could go right in there. You know, you know this uh, this scene. Um, okay, so you start. You be the child. Uh, mommy, I just want to watch a little bit more of my show. Um, I'm sorry, Johnny, it's time to go to bed now. Oh, but you know what? Actually, I'm hungry. You're hungry? You just had, you just had a snack a half hour ago. How could you be hungry? Mm, just a little snack. And I'm actually, I'm thirsty too. You're thirsty also? You, you, you know what? I'll... I'll I'll give, give you some water next to your bag. Just go upstairs and, and you'll be okay. You're, you can't be that hungry. Okay, will you read me five stories tonight? Uh, I, 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 it's really time to go to sleep already. Uh, maybe, maybe one. Mm, can we play too, just a little bit, mommy? Okay, okay, let, let, let's see. Let's go upstairs and we'll see, okay? So let's come out of the real play. No, that was good. That was good. So, you know, usually sometimes, but you see what happens is, is every time that, let's say he said, um, mommy, can I have something to eat? 
And my response is, I'm, I'm well, you know, didn't you just eat maybe a little something? Oh, can I have something to drink? So basically, I'm reinforcing all that complaining, whining. I'm, I'm providing reinforcement. But the extinction would be not responding to all that and really staying focused. So I don't reinforce that because what happens is if I keep giving um, the bag of chips to Johnny every time he does something, you know, then he's going to keep doing it. Right, it's going to increase that behavior because I'm reinforcing. He's getting what he wants because then he gets to stay up a little later. He gets an extra buck. He gets played. I'm by then. I'm like, you know, and then I get so overwhelmed and frustrated that I lash out at him. So let's do it the right way. I'm going to teach you a little technique. It's called broken record, and and I love this because it helps you just stay focused and mindful and not provide reinforcement. So let's try this again. Okay. 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 Go ahead. Uh, mommy, I just want to watch a little bit more of my show, okay? I'm sorry. It's time to go to sleep now. It's your bedtime. Oh, I, I, I just would like one piece of toast. You know, I know you would like that. It's time to go to sleep. It's your bedtime now. Um, just a little water before we go. No, it's time to go to sleep. We have to go to bed now. All right. I'm taking 10 books up with me. But we have to go to bed now. It's time to mm. go just 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 a little bit of play with all my stuffed animals so you're great great. (laughs) this is my daughter by the way this is straight out of my daughter's (laughs) mouth and into our role play (laughs) and and, and you're sitting there like oh she's so cute like she just wants a little time but you have to realize you're giving her chips you know and the thing is is when you stay it's like It's very hard to be mindful, but when you say the same thing again and again, like a broken record, like I was doing, eventually you're not reinforcing and those behaviors go down. But that could also be if the child's tantruming on the floor because they're upset with something, not giving it attention. You know, the moment, even negative attention, you know, stop that, you know, come on, you're a big girl. You know, you're also reinforcing that because the child's getting a response for that behavior. So is that clear for extinction? Absolutely, absolutely. And satiation is actually, we provide the reinforcement before. And this is the hard concept for parents and sense. You think it's like spoiling your child. Like, why am I giving into them all the time? Well, if we have certain problematic behaviors that are happening, then we, we want to offset those behaviors. We want to decrease those behaviors. So the classic example I give, and I mentioned the book is, because I think parents can really relate, you know, that the child comes in, from, from school and they're starving, you know, and they're so hungry and they're like starting to open up the cabinets and just munch on anything. And you're like, no, and then we, dinner isn't done in five minutes. And then they start, you know, fighting with their sibling or having dinner ready before they walk in the door. So I'm actually meeting their need so they don't have to engage in that, you know, ineffective and appropriate behavior. Or knowing like, you know, you're knowing you're fighting about what the child's going to wear, or they want your help getting dressed, you know, setting out the clothing. These are just, you know, simple examples. But perhaps, you know, you know that, you know, when it comes to spring break now for your team, you know, and you know, they're going to be, there's always a fight about the car, you know, so you, you know, they want the car. So you work it out between your husband, you know, let's, let's, let's give them the car for that week, you know, because I just don't want to deal with all that. And the truth is, Sometimes that's effective. Obviously, we don't want to always satiate and we want to have balance, but we don't want to get into those power struggles and those fights and all those things, 
you know, meet the needs before the problematic behavior. So it's a good tool to have in your toolbox. I wouldn't say it's your go-to tool all the time, but satiation is, is helpful. Was that, was that clear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I felt you would explain it the best. And, uh, and how would you, because earlier you were expressing how they can work together, that it doesn't have to be, you know, as you were talking about the, the opposing things and how they can work together. Um, what would you suggest? You know, of course, I'm talking about Mats and I, my husband. So, you know, we, I often will coach him a little bit on if I, he's going to be passing the baton to me. So, you know, we, we often have a relay where we're working and taking turns. And, uh, you know, if I know that his style is often extinction, which I find exhausting as an introvert and whatever, uh, sometimes I will even just say, could you just do, you know, communicate clearly with him? Could you just do these sort of satiation type things where he gets things ready so that we can set up for success? But how, how else would you suggest that two people who have very different styles who are finding it kind of challenging and really that the child is often suffering as a result, the best way? Is it just communicating in that way about what you know works. I mean, you guys, every, I think each parent has their own wisdom with their kids. Of course, they see different things. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest? Yeah, no, it's obviously communication is certainly important. I'm, I'm going to move that a little bit to somewhere where I see it more common, but I could, okay. is, is consistency and flexibility. That's an area where I see a lot of parents struggle. You know, there's that parent who's keeping up those limits and being very consistent, which is very, very important for children. The other one is just more light, flexible, what's a big deal, go with the flow, you know, those two extremes. And, and, how, and, and also you have the child in the middle, you know, and how do you, especially for, you know, the book does focus on the uncontrollable child, the child who is yes. highly sensitive and emotional and impulsive and reactive. And, and limits are so important and flexibility is so important and, and how to, you know, work those two. So, you know, one thing is, is, I, I, it's, it's, it's an excellent question and obviously communication is important, but sometimes, you know, when we see that one way is more effective for the child, um, I think it's like you said, giving over the baton. I think sometimes like there's a child who does need that limit. You know, we talk about dialectics, but sometimes we know on the balance, we need to move in that way. And the other parent is actually impeding on that ability to keep those limits, you know, so you know, telling, let's say, uh, you know, let's say it's dad, mom, you know, or your partner saying, you know what, you, you work on, you work on this, you do this right now. Like I'm going to do the limit setting, you know, you could do the positive instead of us both trying to do it in our different ways, you know, switching that role and being consistent in each of our roles, um, that, that could be really, really effective. So this way there's no splitting and they're all on the same page. That's something that I, that I, would suggest. Um, the other thing is, is um, you know, I, I, as I say, it's, it's all about that mindfulness. And I think sitting down with each other, communicating and perhaps experimenting together and say, you know, I know you're doing it this way and you think it's most effective. Let's experiment. Let's try for the next week. Let's follow my protocol, you know, or this protocol, you know, and let's see. I mean, if the child is better and we have a calmer environment, we're both winning. That's what we want. So if you see something in your, in, in your partner that you feel is hurting the parent or inconsistent and you think you have a better 
Um, the other thing is, is remind yourself of dialectics, like both are, there's not one way to parent. And, and, you know, your child might be, you might both be using different strategies or techniques as long as they are, and this is the key word in mindfulness, effective. Does it work? What are your goals? And sit down and can you, what are our goals for our child? What are problematic behaviors we want to address? What are behaviors we want to increase? Is your way moving us towards that goal? Is my way moving us towards that goal? And then coming together and, and trying to implement what's most effective. Absolutely. And then we, we started the experiments, I would say more, uh, more in recent, recent weeks, I would say even because uh, I don't know, you, you talk, I know that there's, of course, you, you talk about different things in the book, there, there are, of course, chemical or, um, you know, things going on with people's DNA, of course, that, you know, can be diagnosed and can be worked with and to really know what you're working with. And there are things actually can be chemical imbalances just in the moment, you know, where in, in our, we have a very sensitive child for sure. She's very HSP and, and a lot of that is about food and energy in the household. People, you know, that, and I, it's one of the things I often am talking to clients and, and people on the podcast about is that, and I'm wondering if you notice it as well, it's just that um, if there's a conflict under the surface, you'll see it manifest in your animals and your children, you know, they'll just start acting out and like, what's going on with them? And I often will ask, so is there something else going on? Well, yeah, but I, I've, I've been smiling all day. I'm like, okay, but, you know, but kids kind of sense it. And then, you know, you have the same thing with, you know, sleep and, and food often. Um, I also, I often find at least in our household that it uh, massively affects tantruming and, and these days with home offices. And I don't know if you've seen that come up as well. It's just that there's a lot of activity where normally you you not see them and then you see them and they're with you. And now it's a little confusing. I always thought home offices were deadly for parent, for family situations because it's confusing, especially for small kids. But that kind of spending focused time also kind of creates that balance. You know, like Ella and I went for a little walk before I got on with you. That was important that connect in, even if it's just looking at the birds and coming back, but that ways of, um, that it's not, I've got a bad kid, <laughs> but, uh, that there's, there's more going on. And I love that you talked about empathy in the book, that awareness, that mindfulness around what is their experience, putting yourself in their shoes, because 99% of the time, unless I'm exhausted, which <laughs> that happens, there's, there's, you know, if you stand still for a moment, it's not just you're, you know, this child is frustrating you there's something going on and kind of, as you were saying, like asking the questions, you kind of, you took, took us through some important thoughts to kind of work with that. Um, yeah. And I, I, that's such a great point. I, I think that very often, and I discuss this in terms of mindfulness and judgment is we have, we, what I call the shoulds that we, we have these beliefs that our child should be a certain way or should know this, or we should know this. And one of the most positive feedbacks that I got so far in the book, which I, I appreciate you highlighting, is, is the tone. That it's, it's a very compassionate understanding, um, not that the child's bad or you're bad. Um, and the, the idea is that our, our child shouldn't be a certain way. They should be exactly as they are because there are causes and effects. We might not be so happy. The consequences might be problematic and we acknowledge the harmful but we want to be aware of our own should beliefs. You know, it's like, 
I always say parents come into me and say, you know, my kid shouldn't be lying. And I'm like, no, he absolutely should be lying. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm here for you to tell me that. And what I explain to them is not should in the way they think. Obviously, in terms of morals and appropriate behavior, they shouldn't be lying. But in terms of where they're at right now in this moment, there is a cause and effect that's leading to that behavior. And, it, and if we get stuck in the judgment and the shoulds, then that's going to also get in the way of change. Rather than us looking, letting go of blame of ourselves and our children. Um, and to your other point is, yeah, kids pick up, you know, what's going on in the environment. And that, you know, I, I talk about it a little bit, I believe, at some points, but, you know, and, and I think it's important to be aware of our emotions and, you know, be mindful of our emotions and also be willing. I mean, I have went back to my kids, you know, or child later that evening and said, you know, I, I was just a little, I'm a little on edge today, you know, and I, I, I know I, I wasn't as present or I was a little bit snappy. I was a little tough on you and I'm sorry. You know, taking that responsibility and being aware of my emotions and how they're impacting, you know, the environment. And also, yeah, there's so many, you know, you, you get some, I, I think I heard on uh, one of your, I was listening to one of your episodes and I forgot who it was. He was saying that, you know, they put on some music in the background and they were washing the dishes and, you know, it, it does, you know, when there's more positive energy in the environment, the children feel it and they feel that connection at the same time. And as we would say in dialectics, you're not going to always have positive energy. You're not going to always be <laughs> jumping up and screaming and dancing and running around the house and being loving. And, and that's okay too, as long as overall there's, you know, enough of that positivity. Um, but just the importance is be aware of how your mood affects the environment and to make sure that, you know, you don't, you know, place that onto your child or, you know, and if you're noticing you're not so patient, give the baton over to your partner, you know, because maybe this is not, maybe you need to take some space and they need to take over. So I think I got both those points in there. Yeah, absolutely. What would you uh, suggest as a, um, a moment of mindfulness that somebody could take in a moment where they're realizing that they're reacting and not necessarily feeling that empathy or they're just kind of in the, maybe, maybe they're, you know, one of the things that changes parenting sometimes in the moment is, for example, when you're out and your child is losing it and you feel the, the, the eyes or the judgment or whatever. And sometimes the response is not as mindful as, as you know, you hope or in your best version of yourself, what would be something that you could suggest, like take a deep breath or what would you, what kind of thought could we practice in that kind of moment to, one, be more effective to calm our child in the moment and just sort of deal with the, I guess it's really emotions. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, and I like to say to parents, it's even if you're starting to notice that tension rise, and we'll talk about what you do, I think it's more effective, again, I use the word effective, not to even address and parent in that moment. In other words, even if there's something there that maybe needs to be addressed or is problematic, Better not do it in that emotional state because that could be more damaging. And maybe you'll address it at a later state. Even though you think, well, I can't let that go. I believe pros and cons, advantages and disadvantages can be more harmful to the child in the short and long term, even if there's something to address. So if you're in that moment, you know, there are a couple of things I think you can do. You know, it, it's really key, and when we talk about mindfulness and awareness, is take a step back within yourself. You know, the moment you get distance from 
your emotion or your thought, you really have a little bit more control. Um, and and, and the, the, the key is, is, is really letting go, go of control, not trying to manipulate what you're experiencing or what's going outside. So even if you take a step back, and many times we'll feel it in our throat, we'll feel it in our chest, we'll feel it in our back. You notice how much, take a step back, take a pause, and just notice the sensation and the feeling. Yeah, and I would even tell physical sensations, even if just that. Just noticing, you might not notice the emotion, label notice, just notice what you're feeling in the moment. Taking that pause can be very, very powerful. And of course, there's something that we always have with us that can ground us. All times it's our breath, you know, and just actually bringing your attention to your breath for a moment, just to get yourself grounded. This can, as I was saying, this can be a matter of seconds, like three seconds, five seconds is just enough to stop the automatic process. So, um, you know, that, that three seconds of just taking that step back, because what happens is when we're in that parenting moment, you're in that store, you become the emotion, you know, and you become your thoughts. But if you could just take that little buffer, you can get so much out, just enough to, you know, and then you could also take a step back and you can say to yourself as your nosy breath, what is an effective thing to do now? Like even asking yourself that question. Um, or you can count your breath, as I was saying, just to get yourself guarded uh, or, or grounded, excuse me. Um, and lastly, you know, if you're finding yourself very emotional, you can sort of say, just this moment, just this step, just this breath, just this moment. You know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what are people going to think? It's just right here, right now, bring yourself, you know. But I think the key is the pause. The key is really taking mm -hmm. that step back and start with your physical sensations, know what's going on, and proceed mindfully, which might mean, you know, just as we talk about extinction, just not responding, let your child tantrum, notice the thoughts going through your head as thoughts. Um, there's lots of mindfulness practices you could do in that moment. But uh, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy, especially when we get caught up in that emotion. Well, and that I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for you just to go through this with us, because I know that it happens not only out in the world, but, you know, in your own home, you know, if there's a, you know, I've had a couple of podcasts where my daughters come in tantruming because of something that happened, a forgotten meal by the caregiver or whoever, uh, things can happen. Uh, but it's, I, I recognized, I noticed, and I'm so glad that you, you know, spoke it out loud is that, that piece about, it, it was my feeling the emotion that was the bigger problem. I, in the end, I realized then, then actually what was happening with her, it's how we, we react and, and having that, taking that moment to be mindful and the moments where it happens versus it doesn't happen and noticing um, also what happens with our kids, right? You just, we, what we didn't get into and you taking us through this is, is also the difference and just noticing the difference as we practice this, right? what is the difference in what happens with the children in that moment? Yeah. I know that in, it, I've, I've seen different moments and, and uh, it's, it's powerful to see how they respond. So I love that you kind of gave us something to actually work with and experiment with, and I'll have to check in with you guys and see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and like you say, like with your daughter walking in, I mean, I think our first thought is like, she should know not to come in. You know, or, 
or, you know, it's going to mess up the whole, you know, the whole podcast or, you know, and we jump and our mind starts racing and we have those should beliefs and those judgmental thoughts. And it's just realizing, as I said earlier, just a great example of looking at the causes, you know, of what led to, and then taking a step of observing and see what we could do different. And that has to do with acceptance of the moment and then how are we going to change for future? Absolutely. Coming back to when you were talking about, you know, change how you feel about it versus, you know, the misery, you know, I think the reaction and the tension and, you know, what that reaction to to that kind of moment of interruption or tantruming is on another solar system to just changing how you decide how you are going to feel about it rather. Uh, And it's really strong. And, uh, Oh, there's so much goodness. I could talk to you for hours about all the things that people need to know from this book, but what, uh, what would be your, your high dream? Like the most important, if, if the, that your high dream about this book, as far as, you know, looking back on it, it's come out, we've all had our response. What's, what would that look like? I mean, what would my big dream? Well, what would be your high dream for the book and, and the response to by all of us and the what's happened in our lives? Or what would be your high dream about how this can ripple out to the yeah. world and to people? You yeah. mentioned a little bit, but yeah, I, I, I guess I would I would love that people feel validated um, and, um, and and understood. And uh, to understand, you know, to get the clear message that, you know, this is a journey, there's no right answer, and it's not easy. At the same time, I would love to hear that people really implement the skills um, and see results, of course, because, you know, that's, that's the goal. Um, and, and to realize that, you know, this is, this is not the manual and you can implement anything you've learned from other books or other sources um, and other techniques. Um, but I would really like, you know, that, that dialectical piece, the people to open their minds um, and to be less judgmental and more accepting of themselves and their child. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I see a lot of adults who grew up in environments that their emotional needs were not met that they were, you know, neglected. And, and it could be the parents meant well, but they didn't understand how to validate or be present or understand their experiences or unrelenting standards and expectations, their own expectations, or they were highly punitive. Um, you know, so I, I would love for people to see that you can incorporate both um, and you can find a balance. You know, it's, it's hard for me when I, you know, read all these new, strategies or these these new methods of you know no no discipline you know no limits just unconditional positivity and you know and and to me no limits are so and and often because they grew up perhaps they were overcompensating in an environment that was highly abusive and punitive but no you can love your child and put in limits at the same time and children need those limits so absolutely That's, my that's a reminder of love, right? You know, they push the boundaries, that's their job. And then we mm-hmm. remind them, you know, of the arms around them. And uh, yeah, we're very aware of that in Northern California where we live. It's, 
you see all things yeah. <laughs> from and coming from Czech Republic to here, you know, you see such differences in the European style, the things that, you know, pluses and minuses, of course, mm-hmm. you know, things that you, um, but absolutely that uh, I, I love that idea of growing awareness of, of that balance that you speak of that acceptance and uh, uh, yeah. If people had to walk away with just one thing today, what would be the one thing that you'd like them to walk away with? There's so much. That's why it's impossible to choose, I'm sure. Um, I would want them to think, I didn't talk too much about this, but to be effective, to do what works for your child and not get stuck on principle. You know, be open to look at what you're doing with your child um, be open to look at your relationship and ask yourself, is this effective? Is this working? And even though, well, I read this book and this is what you said you're supposed to do, or my parents did it this way, or, well, my child needs to learn a lesson, or, you know, this is the new, this is the new millennial. This is what we're doing to, to take a step back and, and think about mindfully, is this effective? And I think that can really open lots of doorways. Uh, instead of things stuck. Um, I, I think that would be a nice take home message. No, oh, thank you. Uh, and as we're wrapping up, I, we didn't touch on it a lot, but I just wanted to, to take a moment with it uh, because I didn't want to forget. You, you do talk a little bit about, you know, as far as the uncontrolled child, also, you know, naming things and diagnosis of, you know, there's some different issues. And, and I, I just want to very briefly touch on if it's possible, because that's a very big topic, but uh, there's a lot of controversy about, um, you know, by naming something, what if they, does that reinforce it too much? Or does it actually create awareness that, that helps the child so that they can have a better time on the planet? Cause there's understanding what, what do you, what do you think about that conversation? Because, you know, we're headed towards school and there's a gazillion questions and I find myself thinking, I don't want to, I don't want to know. And a lot of, and having been an international te- school teacher, I've also watched when parents refused to know that there was something going on and how detrimental that was. So where the balance is between all of that, what would you suggest to a parent? So I think Ariel, I think you answered, it's a dialectic. <laughs> That's how we get at everything. It's a dialectic. They're both true. Um, yeah, there's, there are lots of advantages to diagnostics because, you know, you talk about being a school teacher, when you know the child has a language processing disorder, or you know that there's something executive functioning that's impaired in some way, that's, that's not necessarily a problem. There's just, they need different type of learning. And if we don't identify it or label it at the same time, labeling could be for the child or the family as an excuse. Well, my child is this and that, you know, so it can really, really go both ways. I think labeling and diagnostics for the purpose of having a language non-judgmentally um, to, to get services and intervention is, is really, really important and helpful. Even in terms of my field, you know, when I'm working with people, um, it could be very validating, you know, sometimes, you know, even I, you know, one of my specials is borderline personalities, you know, um, and w- when you, when you have, um, BPD, you know, sometimes, you know, it has a very negative label, someone borderline personality disorder. At the same time, when you explain it in a non-judgmental way, I've seen people feel like that's what I have. It's a real thing. It makes sense. 
Um, and, and there's what I can do about it. Um, I fall in a category. I'm not alone. It's not who I mm. am. I'm not a borderline personality disorder person. I'm a person who's struggling with borderline personality disorder. So there, there's a lot of benefits, you know, to uh, talk about ADHD, you know, if we can label it, then we can give medication that's appropriate, which is, which is huge. At the same time, I think, you know, there's that other problem that we're getting too caught up in labels. And, and it can be very harmful because you're putting your child into a box. This is who they are. Mama, you know, all that potential. So they're both, they're both in that talked a little bit about the balance and the two ends of it. Yes. In your basket, in your snack basket. Okay, I'm going to be down in a couple minutes. Okay, Pete. <laughs> snacks. <laughs> there were plenty of snacks. She has a snack place in the in the refrigerator and, and a little cupboard, but somehow she didn't find the one she was looking for. Uh, no, thank you for that because it, it's you know it's I know there's a rebellion on my side when I when I hear people kind of putting their kids about oh she's a spectrum child so forget blah 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 and I think like you were saying even just about like this isn't the only book you know you have to take things from different you know sources it's the same thing with. If somebody labels your child with something, it's great. Now it's created awareness. You can work with that, see what you can play with, but don't just like write them off and stop asking the questions and paying attention, right? Yeah, and I, I just want to add to that because that, that, that's not accepted. So even in marriage, my child is, is uh, or my, uh, excuse me, my, my, my spouse, my partner, Asperger's, you know? And that's just who I married. Yeah. And, and that's a judgment. And that doesn't look at, what, describe, you know, some of the behaviors they might do or the fact that there's difficult with emotional connection, that's getting in touch with the reality. But when I label it, it's, it's a cop-out. It, it's, it's a way of not seeing the big picture and working with what is and accepting the reality. So no. Absolutely. Super- and the feelings and all the stuff that you've been talking about, which is essentially that, you know, when you're talking about uncontrollable child or you're talking about uncontrollable person in general, it's that, you know, asking the questions and being aware and working with the moment as you've been talking about. And uh, I just want to say thank you for being brave to put this out into the world, for paying attention to what's happening around in your own family, in your uh, environment with your clients and and putting it out in the world for all of us to work with because it is one of those essential books that needs to be on people's shelves and uh, I'm listening to my daughter cry in the background and mm. I'm thinking about taking that breath and yeah. <laughs> being love present it. And I love it <laughs> uh, but but thank you I just thank you not just for being on the show but really just for being who you are on the planet getting people thinking in that way uh, because we need more of that more and if if your work and your words can help us to ripple out to one another as people and parents in the world, like to keep rippling out these little bits of wisdom inside of that, um, even just if each of us took one different thing from your book and then passed it on by just doing it and letting other people witness it and our kids, you know, what a, what a beautiful um, thing to, to be a part of, you know, you've created a community. So thank you. Yeah, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to come and speak to your audience and, and spread the word. You know, I, 
I could just write the book, but I, you know, people coming along and supporting it is, is very meaningful. So thank you. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, on that note, we will have, of course, we will have links down below and for people to um, find you. But I always love for you to say it also on the podcast. Where are you hoping that people will connect with you and where you'd like them to be buying the book? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if you go to my website, theuncontrollablechild.com. So on the website, you'll see links to all your favorite booksellers. You can actually click any of those links. You can buy the book. If you go back, um, we still have a few more days left. I don't know when this will be published, but I am doing a little bit of a bonus for those who put their, their receipts uh, back onto the website, uncontrollablechild.com. If you also look at events, um, and we actually will alert you if we have, I did actually just finished a 12-part series where um, it's called Tuesdays with Mathis, where I do a little bit of a podcast where I read some of the book and give some vignettes um, and all that, that series will be restarting again. So if you're interested, you could sign up and we'll alert you for that. And that will come uh, every Tuesday. Um, we're also, uh, I hope to start up some master classes for teachers, for parents, for um, mental health professionals. Um, so uh, if you're interested in any of that, um, and uh, you can also, um, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about me, you could look at cbtofnj.com. Uh, that's, that's my practice and a little bit about what we do. So thank you. Thank you. And fantastic. And if I understand what well, we're going to have a giveaway for your book, I'm going to ask people to uh, do something up on social media. I have to think about the best question or, you know, what I want to put out there. I usually do just something for people to respond to. And then we do a drawing and um, that'll be a lot of fun because, you're going to want, this is going to be one of those books, like you'll read it through and then you'll use it like <laughs> picking through. Oh, we're going to get to chapter two today. Back to acceptance. How do we go there? Uh, so, and thank you. Thank you so much, Mat Matisse. And uh, I look yeah. forward to some reason to reconnect and find a reason to cooperate, collaborate in something someday in the future. And otherwise we're keeping our eye on you and, <laughs> and <laughs> look forward to more. Thank you for listening to our very imperfect parenting podcast. If you'd like a little more like live coaching sessions, then jump into facebook.com backslash IP parents. You can also write me at Ariel at imperfectparenting.net or jump on that site for other resources like book reviews and other fun things. If you would just share with one person or let one person know about this podcast, that helps us a lot. As well, we have Patreon with extra privileges and have a beautifully imperfect day. Thank you so much for being out there.